Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. In today's episode, we have David O'Brien, who is an Azure MVP based out of Melbourne, Australia. Microsoft Ignite was held in Sydney on 13th and 14th of February, and David was there helping out in the expert panel. So we would get to hear all things Microsoft Ignite and also how people are trying to solve or what kind of challenges people are trying to solve in Microsoft Azure. We would also go into some of the security bits as well. So I'm looking forward to this episode. Hopefully you get some value out of it. And as always, if there is someone who you think would get value from this episode, please share the episode with them. It really helps us get more interesting guests for you. If you do have any questions, also reach out. We would love to cover a topic that you really want us to cover. All right, let's get into the episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? A lot of people ask me how do I get started on a podcast. One of the easiest ways that I've found to start a podcast is through an app called Anchor. They have a web version and a mobile version. The best part about the app is that you can record directly from your phone. And they have background music that you can use along with your podcast as you do introduction. It has tons of features for podcasts. The best part is it takes care of the distribution as well. It distributes to Apple, Google, Spotify, some of the major providers of podcasts. So they take care of the distribution and also on top of it, they pay you money for running ads on your podcast. So to get started on your podcast today, head to anchor.fm. Also check out help.anchor.fm where they have a lot of useful information for people who are starting out on podcast. So just go out and start your own podcast today. Welcome to Cloud Security Podcast. Today, our guest is David O'Brien. He's a really good friend, also a Microsoft MVP for Azure based out of Melbourne, Australia. He was in um, Microsoft Ignite tour recently, so I'm really glad to have him here. Welcome, David. Good morning. How are you? Good. For people who don't know you much, how do you, like, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm an Azure MVP, been an MVP for the last seven years now, um, focusing mainly on the Microsoft stack. Um, so that includes Azure, obviously, um, the public cloud. And um, what we do is, um, and when I say we, I started a company called Xyrus two years ago. Um, we focus on the whole DevOps automation security around cloud. Sweet. That's a great. That's a great way to get into a lot more Azure. So, for people who don't know Ignite, and I think I put myself into that same bracket as well, where I know a lot about AWS. I know a bit about cloud in Google as well, or Google Cloud, but Microsoft Azure is a bit of an unknown. So, for people who maybe kind of similar to me have no background on Azure, what is Ignite, and is the Sydney one that you went to is that it is the same thing or is it? I'll let you go. Yeah, so um, Microsoft has this, just like AWS with reInvent, they have the Ignite conference, and that happens once a year um, somewhere in North America. Um, and it just happened in Orlando a couple of months ago. Um, that's the massive annual event with like 35,000 people present. Um, the whole product teams are there. Um, it, it's a really big thing. Um, but not everybody can go to Ignite. So not everybody can go to the North American conference. That's why Microsoft said, well, we're going to take Ignite out of North America and do a road trip. 
and um, that's what became Ignite the Tour. So every year now there's like 40, I think this year there's 40 different cities all around the world where they take Ignite in a smaller context and bring it to different cities. So for example, last week I was in Johannesburg, South Africa, um, and just yesterday I got back from Sydney. Sweet. So if I were to compare this to AWS land and AWS reinvite, reinvent, reinvite, that'll be a good name for it, uh, reinvite us to AWS. AWS reinvent is the same as Microsoft Ignite. That's where all the major announcements for the year would go in. AWS Summit, which is their regional one, is kind of like the Ignite Tour. But AWS Summit sometimes coincides with announcements as well. Is Is that the same with Microsoft Ignite Tour? Well, look, just like AWS, Azure is constantly evolving, right? There's yeah. um, there's patches coming in, there's updates, new features. Um, so it might be that you're at Ignite the in Sydney and they just patch something or they just release a new feature, a new fix. And um, it, it's not targeted at that event, but um, it might just happen that you're there and um, there's a session about that new thing. Uh-huh. Is it, is it true that all announcements for Microsoft happen on a Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month? <laughs> oh, not, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder, like, oh, is the patch Tuesday still carried on to Azure? But I guess clearly not. <laughs> well, we might have to come up with another word for that. Um, that, that so with Microsoft Ignite Tour, um, I think you were at the expert panel from what you have explained yes. to me earlier. What is that panel and um, what can you share about, actually, maybe what can people see at the Ignite Tour who have not been to Sydney? Is it kind of like the same thing as a summit? Because you've been to summit as well. So Yeah, yeah, I've been to AWS summit and um, it's sort of similar. Yeah. yeah um, so in Sydney, it was at the ICC around Darling Harbour, um, really good venue. Um, around 9,000 people were present. Um, so oh, really good a big number. Out. Yeah. And um, there's product team members there. So as a customer, it's really, really valuable. Um, there's, um, like I said, Azure and other product team members from the US, like from corporate HQ, um, coming all the way to Australia. So you can actually go and talk to them. Um, that's very valuable. Yep. Um, there's MVPs like myself there that you can ask. And yeah, I was on part of the Expert Connect um, panel yeah. um, or team. And um, yeah, as a customer or a user of Microsoft technology, you can go and have a chat to um, experts in their fields and ask them questions. So had architecture questions, security questions, all of these kind of things. Uh, so if anyone who's listening and probably uses Microsoft, say any Microsoft product, Office 365 for their business or Azure for their business, they probably should be looking at going there because to your point, product people would be there and other people like yourself who are my MVPs, which is a great opportunity for you to probably hear straight from Microsoft. Is it, is it expensive to get into or is it just like AWS Summit, which is free? It's a free event. Ah, yeah, perfect. It's a free event. Um, so it's an absolute perfect opportunity to talk to, yeah, to the product teams and experts in that field. Yeah, um, especially if you're a small business as well. I think that's a great yeah. opportunity. You don't have to like call in or be this premium support member, but you could just rock up and talk to a product person. Yeah, 
Sweet. So being part of that, uh, I guess, tour and being part of the expert uh, area, what kind of questions did you come across and any security questions in there? Yeah. Um, so the questions were really interesting, to be honest. Um, you never really know what to expect. Um, if it's like that super loose agenda, ask me anything, right? Oh, right. Oh, but, but then for you, it was Azure though, right? Yeah, anything and ask me anything in Azure. Exactly. But that yeah. could be really anything. Like oh, yeah. how do I post the website there or how do I train my AI model um, or how do I run this um, third party um, COTS application on a virtual machine? So it could be really anything. Um, and that, that made it quite exciting. And um, especially around Johannesburg and Sydney, because um, you always think um, it, we might be a bit further ahead than other continents maybe, but overall the questions were fairly similar. Um, okay. It, but it ranged from really basic to really advanced. Um, and yeah, security was a really big topic. Um, it ranged, like a lot of people asked, is the cloud even secure? I'm pretty sure you get that all day. Yeah, um, yeah. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna go thinking. What was gonna, I was gonna ask you this for my MythBuster question, but I think we've, we've, we've definitely gone into it earlier. But that, that's fine. What? Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is a known thing, though. Yeah. It and yeah. people and, still asking this. Yeah, absolutely. And because um, you hear about the breaches every day, right? And um, it, it's interesting to then go and start explaining what the cloud actually is and that the cloud is not just a location but how you work with it and um that it enables you to do whatever you want including getting yourself breached right yeah um, yeah so these questions were really interesting the other types were how do i secure my environment not is the cloud secure but how do i secure my environment and how do i protect myself against external and internal threats um, so people are now starting to look inside yeah yeah so people started uh, probably two years ago three years ago how do i protect myself against external threats yeah but they're now starting to realize that a lot of threats are actually coming from the inside as well so on um, their services that azure um, um released a while ago like sentinel um, that can help you also understand internal threats. Yeah. Oh, actually, maybe well, worthwhile going into what is AWS Sentinel and why should people look at it? Yeah. So Azure Sentinel is um, it's your cloud-hosted theme, really, but it's a bit more than a theme. So um, you can hook pretty much any data source, um, and, and there's built-in connectors for Sentinel. Um, obviously, I think there's over 200 built-in connectors, including community connectors now. Um, but if there's no connector, you can go straight HTTP REST into um, Sentinel and send all your data, any data, into it, um, including, for example, AWS CloudTrail. So there's right. already a built-in connector for AWS CloudTrail to Sentinel. And Sentinel can help you understand what is actually happening in your environment. And not just somebody's um, somebody's hitting a firewall from that one port. That's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you don't need Sentinel for that. But for example, if if the 
um, if a virtual machine gets an extension, so um, Azure has the concept of extensions on virtual machine, um, which run random code, a bit like a user data um, on EC2. And um, let's say somebody, a user who's authenticated installs an extension on that virtual machine and it runs code. And it just happens that that code installs a process that is known to be malicious. Yeah? yeah. So the, you as the administrator, you get that alert and you would just go and say, oh, that, that process is malicious and you would kill that process. Yeah? Easy. Yeah. Um, and fairly standard already. The thing is, the issue is not that process. The <laughs> issue is the user. Oh. So the authenticated user installed the process. So what's up with that authenticated user? So obviously that user is either malicious. Yep. So somebody in your organization went rogue or compromised. Yep. So Sentinel can help you get that bigger picture around, oh, that user, that's actually the common cause and not that process. Ah, right. So it's, sorry, I was going to quickly say, is Sentinel across multiple subscriptions or yes, it's it, a consolidated view? So, yeah, it's a consolidated view across your whole enterprise. Yeah, and to, to your point, emphasize on the enterprise because you're including AWS in there as well. I wonder if Google Cloud logs kind of come in as well or is it just yeah, because... Definitely. Yeah, um, it, like I said, if there's not a connector already, you yeah. can just um, there's uh, Google Functions as well, right? Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, they have Google Functions, uh, that's right. You can take those logs out of Google and with Functions, just send it to Sentinel, for example. Oh, right. Oh, right. Okay, so... And it's not just Cloud, right? It could be hybrid technology. Yeah. Hybrid. So, so it's like Splunk or Sumo Logic? So, yeah, it's a bit like Splunk and Sumo, definitely. And we get that question quite often. Yeah. Um, but then you get the whole orchestration on top of it. So you can say, well, if this thing happens, then orchestrate so you can have a full workflow that automatically happens and responds to these issues. Uh, right, right. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. So was there, and now coming back to the AWS, uh, not AWS, uh, coming back to Azure uh, Ignite Shore, um, was there a lot of interest in Seam? Because my understanding of logging in Azure is that it's currently quite expensive. And a lot of people may already have Sumo Logic or Splunk or something. So were the questions around monitoring how to monitor better or was it how do I use Sentinel? Like what was the questions like? So I tried to stay away from how do I use product uh -huh. yeah. but what's the actual use case, right? What, yeah. what do you need to achieve? And Sentinel might be an answer to that. Um, just like on AWS, there's multiple ways to lock stuff. Right? Yes, that's right. So yeah, there, there can be pricier options and yeah. Sentinel is definitely going to be on the pricier end okay. of something. Um, but if all you need is I need some insights into my environment and I don't need the whole AI and threat hunting, red team, blue team kinds of stuff yeah. um, of Sentinel, including the orchestration, 
like the really sophisticated orchestration, then something like log analytics workspaces could already be enough. And that's fairly cheap, depending on the amount of data that you have to work with. Right. Um, the questions were sometimes, how do I use product? Yeah. I, I always get those people back to what's the actual use case, and then we figure out is that product actually something worthwhile digging into for you? Yeah, and to your point, because most of the product information is really on the website already, right? In terms of documentation and videos and stuff. So you could just point them like, let me Google that for you <laughs> and everything as well. Um, yeah. What was an interesting use case for you in terms of, um, did you find there were varied maturity level as well between the questions or do you find everyone was super mature? No, um, it's interesting. Look, I've been doing um, AWS for quite a while and um, on any cloud you get these super mature customers that everything's serverless, everything's an API, everything is insert buzzword, right? Yes. Um, and then it, on the complete other side, there's the how do I deploy a VPC or a virtual network? Um, I don't even know how to deploy a storage account. What what do I do with my 15-year-old file server that's running underneath my desk? Yeah. So I I got all these questions <laughs> of over the the whole spectrum. Uh, it's been interesting because um, they're all valid use cases, right? Yeah. We, we shouldn't yeah. discount any of them, and especially when it comes to security. I find the, I don't want to say less mature, but the like legacy use cases, if you want to call them that. Yeah. Um, I find them probably more exciting. Yeah, right. Wait, let me ask you this then. Um, yeah. One of the previous episodes, we had Tanya Jenka from, uh, my, I think she used to work for Microsoft. Mm. She came across a use case where Microsoft Access was to be moved into <laughs> Azure. Did you have any of those use cases? When you think of legacy, what's the most legacy application that you've been looking at or someone asked you that they want to move into Azure? Um, well, somebody did ask me, so we've got that mainframe here. Um, what, <laughs> what are we going to do with that? And I just said, don't, don't touch it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I don't think compute by compute, any cloud provider can have enough compute for a mainframe at this point in time. I, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, they're still, I guess they're still struggling to get over that battle. We're still working with SAP still, which yeah. is again, another beast to deal with, but maybe they've gone with SAP first and then go into mainframe. But so the most legacy one has been- uh, Yeah, something like, like that. Like a really old SQL server as well? Yeah, really old SQL servers where they couldn't figure out which managed service of SQL server to use um, then there's the really old file server, which is still running on Windows Server 2000. Um, and I always tell people, look, the 2000 actually means something. It means it's now 20 years old, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so Microsoft Azure still supports 2000 or? Yeah, so that, that's usually customers asking. So I've got this thing on-prem. Yeah. How do I move that over to the cloud? And um, yeah, you'd be surprised what old tech is still running on-prem sometimes. Um, wow. Yeah, access. Um, I have not come across access yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
maybe it could be a Canada thing that uh, Microsoft Access yes, is still there. Is. Yeah, but uh, it would be, I would definitely shock me because if that was, I haven't heard Access for a very long time. Mm. And when I heard that on the episode, I'm like, what, someone has Microsoft Access as a database? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was used back in the day, but that was ages ago. Um, with the, um, with, with, with this also, um, it's always interesting to find, are you finding a lot of people are multi-cloud as well? And is multi-cloud really a thing you're seeing in the Azure space quite a bit and the people you're working with, people who are, came, you asked, came and asked you questions? Yeah, so, um, hmm. uh, yes, multi-cloud is a thing when we talk about enterprise, yeah. right? Um, the, the, the thing is, we always have to start defining what multi-cloud actually means. Um, is it multi-cloud across the enterprise, that the enterprise is using multiple clouds? Or are we saying we need our, that application that we're running that yeah. needs to be multi, needs to be able to run on multiple cloud providers at the same time. Right. So the the former, um, the enterprise using multiple cloud providers for different things, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Um, and we see that a lot, um, and that's why Microsoft is building their products so open that that they can actually go and get that consolidated view across everything. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, because Microsoft's focus, or one of their focuses, big focuses, is the enterprise, and they understand that enterprises, for whatever reason, go multi-cloud, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the second use case, one application running on multiple cloud providers, I'm very skeptical of that. <laughs> Yeah, um, you have problems there with that at that point. If people are looking at one part of it is going to be in Google Cloud, another part on Azure, and another part on, say, AWS or something else, that yeah, that's yeah. really complicated from an architecture perspective as well. Yes, and um, it might be fine to use I don't know um, something on EC2, AWS EC2. Um, one tier runs on that, and then it kicks off. And so function maybe a different tier, but as soon as we start talking about one tier of an application running on multiple cloud providers, that that's a total nightmare to deploy that to architect that. Um, like people always say, "Oh, a container is a container." Sure. Yeah. But that's where it stops. <laughs> right? EKS is completely different to AKS, even though it's Kubernetes underneath. They're completely different um, functionality-wise. Um, yeah. So I think no Terraform, no Pulumi, nothing of that is going to help you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why maybe a lot of people are going with Terraform as their one language for orchestration in the whole enterprise. That way, it works across AWS, it works across Azure. But to your point, it's completely different code. You're yeah. talking your completely different API. You're you're basically making a spaghetti out of your environment by allowing something like that as well. But yeah, well, it's, it, it's, it's a, a topic which we can go on for hours as well. Yes. Um, with the Microsoft Ignite, and you mentioned Sentinel as a security product, and you also mentioned some of the questions you get is, how do I secure my workload on yeah. Azure? What do you recommend as for people who may be starting an Azure and coming from an AWS or a Google Cloud background, what do you recommend as like a basic sanitation thing for people to go 
and secure their first workload, like, or maybe even start from the beginning. Like, how do you sign up and make it secure, and then yeah. you go to the next level of putting in stuff there? Um, so there's actually um, a Microsoft article on um, on their docs, um, which actually targets AWS administrators. Ah, right. So there's an article. Google as well, or just AWS? Uh, I think it's uh, it's AWS at this point. I'm not sure if GCP is um, in there. But um, as an AWS administrator, you can go onto that article and say, well, I'm used to Lambda. What's yeah. the equivalent to Lambda on Azure? Um, so that helps you translate a couple of use cases. Yeah. Um, apart from that, um, there's some really good free learn. Um, so Microsoft Learn um, learning paths that are really interactive, um, where you can go from fundamentals, like again, the very basic services around networking and storage and virtual machines um, to help you translate your knowledge over to Azure. Yep, yeah. Um, they, they even give you like sandbox environments. So you can, in your browser on the left, you've got the, uh, left? <laughs> on yeah. the left, you've got the um, documentation and the instructions that you should run through and on the right there's your Azure environment and you yeah. get that for free. Oh so, right. Yeah. So, so if, if I want, sign up for Azure, um, I guess I'm because I think the other thing that I was gonna bring up was Microsoft Security Center as well. Yeah. And that I, I think that's almost like people so the way I understand it and after exactly what you said, you kind of use some demo or some playground or sandpit to just see what it's like. But after you've done all of that, is there a basic sanitation thing you, you recommend that people do? Like security center or something similar? Um, security center works really well as, as soon as you've got some workload. Yeah. Ah, right, okay. So if you don't have workload, you're basically doing all this learning first building a subscription, ah, right, makes, it makes sense. The security center can already, without a workload, tell you where you're doing this and that, but you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, what, what I would look at is advisor, Azure advisor, oh, yeah. okay. um, which is another free service inside of Azure. Yeah. And um, that, could that tells you things like where your um, virtual machines are underutilized, so it can help you right size or your virtual machines have a public IP address on them with a, a network security group, which is open to the internet. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, so it gives you already these like nudges into the right direction. Uh, so for someone who's working in the Azure space and maybe a security person or a cloud security engineer, how do they, or how do you recommend they manage security across their Azure work, workload? In terms of like ongoing compliance, uh, compliance is probably a very wrong word, but more yeah. just feel that they're safe and nothing is creating a risk. Yeah, so that's where advisor and security center come in. Okay. Um, security center, for example, and you mentioned compliance, so I'm going to mention that <laughs> security center does have um, a way to show you how compliant you are against PCI, for example. Oh, right. Um, so you can go in to security center. Um, yep. That's on the version of security center, though. Okay. Um, and then 
I think right now that capability is in preview, but it works. So yep. um, it scans your whole environment from an infrastructure point of view. That's important. Yeah, okay. From an infrastructure point of view, they don't go into your app code, for example. Okay. Um, but from an info point of view, they will list out which things are not compliant with PCI. Right. Or ISO 27000-001. Yep. Right? Yep. So, um, that's a really, really good um, way to understand what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you shouldn't be doing. Um, and, and I always tell my customers, look at it, even if you don't have to be PCI compliant. PCI is really lots of best practices yeah. that they enforce. That's right? true. That's true. Yeah. So a lot of these best practices shouldn't be optional. You should really be doing them, whether you have to be PCI compliant or not. That's true. Um, just on the compliance piece, right? How do you... I think it's, it's an interesting one that I find that um, previously we, we were talking about maturity but and now we've spoken about measuring security, but how do you assess maturity in your Azure environment? Um, good question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we have to come back to that one. It's, um, that's when a human being comes in. Yeah, okay. Like I think maybe what's an example of a low maturity versus a high maturity in your case? What do you recommend? What's a, um, a forty you've seen? From, in my opinion, that has not much to do with the services you're using. Mm -hmm. So um, it's the way you use the services. Mm -hmm. You can be really mature, but everything's a virtual machine, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, because you might be constrained by the application that you're using. Yeah. yeah, so you could be, but the way you are using those virtual machines, you're using the you're deploying those virtual machines and you're maintaining those virtual machines over time. Yeah, be fully automated. Nobody has right access to the environment. Everything goes via code reviews and pipelines, and everything is logged and audited. Yeah, that would be really mature. Same on the other side, you could be everything Kubernetes and everything is a function serverless, um, but these are the functions are straight on the internet. Um, your application that calls these functions, the um, function um, authentication code is in the um, URI. Yeah, you could be really immature doing these more mature services. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Yeah, just because you're using a mature service. Yeah. So just because you're using a function yeah. doesn't necessarily mean your environment is more mature, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense as well. If you're still like uploading a file on a console and just not troubleshooting automatically, I guess that's another sign yeah. of non-maturity as well, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, but for but for the sake of maturity, you're calling. Oh, I'm using functions, but how you're yeah. using it is probably the that's where the maturity kind of comes in. Exactly, and and I think um, on the virtual machine um, example, um, a lot of people are used to using um, jump boxes and bastion hosts, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, desktop gateway or Linux jump box, and I think maturity also comes in when we look at patterns that people use and how they adapt to new patterns arriving in the cloud. 
Yeah. Um, so Microsoft Azure now has Azure Bastion, which is your hosted Bastion box, right? Um, you deploy that resource. Yeah. Or it's not a virtual machine. It's a resource, and you can connect to your virtual machine without a public IP, without VPN, without any of that, in your browser. So. Oh. So there's no tunneling, there's no SSH tunnel, none of that anymore. Wow. Um, Is this a new thing? Uh, yeah, it's, it's fairly new. Yeah, we've been using it. So it's in preview, but yeah. it works. We've been using it for our customers for the last six months or so now. Right. Um, so I, that's, that's, that's game changing though, because that's like every standard architecture that I've seen for any cloud provider, all of them have like a bastion thing because, well, you need a break glass, but having that as a service, wow, that will change the game. And it's in preview Um, mode at the moment? It's in preview at the moment, um, but they're working on it all the time. Um, There's new features coming out constantly um, and it works really, really well. And um, it's a bit like systems manager Okay. Um, system manager, session manager. Yeah. However, the systems manager, session manager only gives you the command line. Yeah. And that's it. That's right. Um, which is fine on Linux because that's what you get. Yeah. On Windows, on Sebastian, you get your full RDP session in on, your browser. In your browser. Yeah. Oh wow, that that definitely is a game changer. I'm, I'll be uh, curious to see how that far, how that goes, and if AWS comes with their own version of it as well. Yeah. Another we, question that I keep getting. Oh, sorry, I'll do, let you finish. Sorry. I'm sorry. sorry, which also means you can use it on your phone because you don't need an RDP client or a Linux oh, client. Oh, actually, that's true. Oh yeah, so all those late night calls that you get. You don't have to get out from your bed and log into a computer. You just basically exactly. open, up, open up your browser on the mobile phone and just log in from there. Yes, I'm looking at it. <laughs> um, so I, my, my, the question that I was going to ask was, another question one of the audience member has, uh, or one of the listeners actually, she asked me on like, over LinkedIn was, how do you deal with shadow, I, well, not shadow IT, but shadow cloud accounts in Azure? What, what's your recommendation right. around that? Um, it is a thing though, right? It's it not is. that it's, yeah, okay. Because um, just like on AWS, all you need is a credit card, right? Yeah. And you're signed up. Yeah, perfect. Um, so it's, well, if you don't know about them, there's no way to do anything about it, right? Um, there's certain ways to, I don't know, to, to find them. Um, cause people do have to somehow log into them, yep. into the um, subscriptions, right? And, um, if they're using their work account for that, which they probably would, yeah. um, then these subscriptions become a member of your AAD tenant, your Azure tenant. Yeah. Um, so if you had something like Sentinel, um, enabled in your tenant, then, um, that would be able to learn that there's something that just new, something new that popped up somewhere. Also, oh, Sentinel can pick up an Azure account or Azure subscription, which is probably not in the existing tenant. Yeah. So, if, if, so because it would be part of the tenant, yeah. and your user login event, 
would show a subscription ID that you don't know about. Yeah, right. You could respond to that. Um, uh, and that's a theoretical right now. I've not set that one up before. But, yeah, um, but that, that's definitely sounds like a good solution, especially because to your point, in an Azure ecosystem, you're already collecting all logs from your on-prem as well as Azure systems. Or even, I guess, to your point, it could be even Splunk or anything as well. You can still find out, would the URL have subscription ID in there? Or how would, they, would you be able to add? Well, so that would be part of the header, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So the header or body. Oh, right, okay. So I, actually, I don't know if Splunk would work in that case then, because that's all HTTP information, right? Yeah, well... Yeah. And uh, one more thing for uh, for all of us to solve, I guess, once we once we get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I was going to move to our next section. If you're like me and enjoy music, you would definitely love the Spotify app. The Spotify app is one place for all your favorite artists and podcast hosts. Yeah, I know they have podcasts as well. I had no idea. It's a great spot to listen to your favorite artists for free. You don't, you don't have to pay any money for it. Just download the app from your Apple Store or your Google Play and start listening today. They have a premium version as well, which allows you to download songs for, for those times when there is no internet, which happens in some parts of the world. So it's a great app. If you haven't done this already, go on your Spotify app, search for Cloud Security Podcast, give us a follow so you don't miss out on an episode. It's, a, it's called, I call it the Mythbuster section, right? And I think we've kind of covered this already, but what, what is the most common cloud security myth that you hear? Uh, well, the, um, the cloud is insecure. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of expected that one. Yeah. How um, do you address I, that usually? Um, so it, the cloud is not insecure, right? Um, yeah. All cloud providers, they have a list probably as tall as I am, um, which, uh, or somebody who's really tall, because I'm yeah. tall, um, <laughs> um, that long with their certifications, right? Yeah. Um, they have the DOD, the DOJ, the US military running on these cloud environments, right? Um, so the cloud itself is secure, but it's only as secure as you make it. Right, yeah. so um, it's very easy for me to create a virtual machine with a public IP which is open to the internet. Microsoft is not going to stop me doing that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but for example, when we start talking about encryption, because people say, "Oh, we need to encrypt everything," well, at rest, pretty much everything is already encrypted on your server, and right. you can't even turn it off. Yeah, there's no. There's no asking you, do you want this storage account to be encrypted? It just is. Right. The, that's not an option. Um, just like SQL Server, um, they have their TDE, um, their transparent data encryption yep. enabled. There's no way to turn it off. Um, right. Which is actually an issue on RDS because on RDS SQL Server, you need enterprise for that. Um, right. I think, I think the funny thing is all this encryption being default doesn't stop people from storing plain text passwords in uh, SQL Server. Exactly. <laughs> you can encrypt yep. your plain text password, but it's still a plain text password. Yep, yep. exactly. And um, that's what I mean, right? The infrastructure 
the cloud itself is super secure. Yeah. But you can do all these bad practices um, by having plain text passwords encrypted at rest, but in transit they're still plain text passwords. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> so you can do all of that, and Microsoft is not going to stop you because depending on what it is, it might be a valid use case, right? Um, so Microsoft enables you to have a super secure environment and it's actually not that difficult once you start thinking in cloud terms and start leaving your legacy thinking of on-premises behind. Uh, because Microsoft right. does a lot of things already out of the box. And in some cases, it's literally a, tech, a tick box that you have to tick, but you need to know that you need to tick it. Uh, so wait, Ben, what are people not asking enough about cloud security then, in your opinion? So I think a lot of people see security as an afterthought still. Yeah. So they start designing their environments and um, then at some point put that built environment, it's already there, in front of a security person. And then all these issues come up. Yeah. So I think um, it's not so much what do they not ask? Yeah. But it's more the, who do you talk to? Like you, 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 you might ask these questions too late. Had you asked that question earlier on with somebody else, or maybe already got Ashish in really yeah. early on into yeah. your project. Yeah. Um, Ashish might have taught you, well, you don't have to build all this big like environment over here to make your environment secure. It's literally a tick box that you have to check and yep. it's done. Yep. Um, like my example with the jump box is a bastion nowadays. That's right. Yeah, that's a great service. And thanks for the plugin as well. Anyone who needs services, I'm available. <laughs> um, well, uh, this is a great uh, high for me to move into my um, next segment, which is unicorn segment. What is your, like, so what is your superpower? in terms of, which is, actually, maybe let me switch this around a bit. It's usually part of my fun, fun question, right? What do you spend most time on when, you were, when you're not working on cloud? Oh, when I'm not working on cloud, outside of work? Yes. In tech? It doesn't have to be, just like something that you're passionate about. Ah, well, um, so I've been flying for over 18 years. Um, so I've got a pilot's license and um, I can talk just as much about planes as I can talk about cloud. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what, what, then, and the next one is, what is something that you're proud of, but not on your socials on LinkedIn or Twitter or your website? Um, wow. <laughs> um, it's a difficult one, right? It's like, it's one of those moments. Um, it's... I think the, it's sort of on my socials, but I think it's the steps I took over the last years. And um, well, so we moved continents, yeah, same um, history as you have. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm really proud of that, that um, my wife and I um, took these steps. <laughs> um, so I'm really proud of the framework that I've got here. Yeah. Um, 
and the opportunities that we build um, as part of moving continents. Yeah, cool. No, that's a great answer, man. Uh, hmm. Hashtag immigrant life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the final question is, what's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share with the viewers or audience? Oh, okay. Um, so restaurant, favorite restaurant. Um, so one in Sydney um, that I've just been to uh, on Thursday, actually. Um, All right. Um, Sokyo is a Japanese restaurant. I love Japanese food. Um, it's very close to Darling Harbour and really, really good. Um, the other one, we've just been there last night, actually, oh, here nice. in Geelong, Geelong right. Victoria. Um, and they do, um, all, all of it is gluten-free. Um, nice. And um, they, they're called recess. And it, it, it's really really good oh yeah. wow and that's very very um they had mac and cheese and beef cheeks and um like not really a like country cuisine so, like from a country yeah but um like pretty much everything um wow. like, a, like a good mix like a good fusion but um really good really good quality mm, good yeah good just you know yeah, I, 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 well, dude, that's why we are friends, man. <laughs> um, well, that, that's the end of the episode, but thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Where can Absolutely. people find you? People, where can people find you online? Um, yeah, so on Twitter, um, at David underscore O'Brien. Um, I've got my personal blog on david-obrien.net. Yep. And um, my company Xyrus is on Xyrus, X-I-R-U-S dot com dot A-U. Perfect. And thank, dude, thanks so much for your time again, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.